Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's lovely to see three babies there. Um, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's an indication of God's blessing to us in so many ways. Um, so thank you all for coming. And again, as, as uh, Shane said, if this is your first time here, you're very welcome. It's good to have you. Please stay afterwards for a cup of tea and a chat. Um, yeah, so... Thank you to Ruth for, for reading earlier from, from the book of Exodus the story of how God provided his people with manna. I'm going to read a little bit from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. John chapter 6, and I'm reading from verse 25. John chapter 6, verse 25. I'm going to try and finish this, this chapter today. It's, it's very long, but uh, we'll go through as much as we can anyway. John chapter 6, verse 25, and it says, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up at the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And I'll end the reading just there, and I may turn to it again as as we work our way through the chapter. Uh, But this is the word of God. It is the means by which God speaks to you and me more than anything else. There's a lovely creation, and, and creation cries out, there's a good God. And, and there's, there's the love between people which God created. And that tells us God is good. But if you want to know the will of God, if you want to know what God says, this is the source by which God speaks to our hearts, to our minds more directly than anything else. Treasure it. Read it every day. Never neglect to read the word of God and ask God to bless it to you. Anyway, just... Thank God for his word. Just to, to introduce this, I, I know of someone, he works in IT, and he loves going to conferences, or at least he used to until COVID came, going to trade exhibitions and, and various meetings like that. But he loves going for one reason in particular. 
And it's not learning about new products. It's not about new job opportunities or interesting people. The reason he loves going to conferences is because he likes getting freebies. Freebies, you know, the things you get, companies give you a free pen or a free computer case or a free this, free that, all these little tasters that, that make life so so good. It's just, and for him it's not because he's mean and because he wants to be greedy. It's just the thought of getting something for nothing. Just getting something for nothing. So he'll come home to his family and they'll see the new things he has and think, how interesting. And, and he's, he's delighted with these little freebies, which are sometimes they're just junk, but he likes them. And I think there's, there's a little bit of that in all of us that when we, you know, just, just like freebies are handed out in conferences because it's good advertising, it's very direct, it gets to the people. It's not like handing out flyers that people take and throw away. People take freebies because they think, yeah, this is good, you know, such a company is producing this, how interesting. And it's very positive advertising. But the people that we meet today in this story were looking for Jesus, essentially because they were looking for the freebies. And the last time I spoke, uh, a couple of months ago, I mentioned that they were looking for Jesus. And when they found him, Jesus said to them, you're looking in all the wrong places. And I said that the place that you find Jesus is on your knees in the place of prayer. That's where you will find Jesus. It is not in a ritual. It's not in a temple, not in a place or, or anything, but on your knees. You come to God on your knees. But now we look not just at at where they're looking for Jesus, but why? What were their priorities? What are your priorities when you're looking for Jesus? Because Jesus knew they were looking for him. Purely selfish. It was feud, food, security, and an easy life. And it's all understandable. But to see Jesus like that, I'm I'm going to say, is very, very short-sighted. It's asking, what can Jesus do for me? They were living for this life alone. And when they asked, when did you get here, what they really meant was, what can you do for me? What can you do for me, Jesus? They had looked at Moses as as we saw the the story in in the Old Testament. And that was good because they got up every morning and there was the bread laid out for them. It was like having breakfast laid on for you every day. They went out to the desert, collected the manna, and they cooked it and they ate it. And now they were looking back to those good times thinking, you know, maybe this guy can do the same for us as Moses. They were looking back to the good times, and it was a reminder of God providing for them. And now they were looking back and thinking, we want someone just like Moses again, an intermediary, someone between God and us, a guy with power who can provide for us. And the manna that was in the desert, it symbolized so much of of their lives, um, That's why, for example, they stored the manna in a jar as a reminder. This is how God can provide for us. And they were thinking, we're back to the good times again. This Jesus, he can be the new guy for us. And so what they were saying is, well, you've done very well providing for the the feeding of the 5,000. But now, can you take it a step further? Can you provide for us more? Can you be the next Moses, just like Israel in the Old Testament? They were, if you remember the story in the Old Testament, Israel eventually asked for a king when, when Joshua took over. They weren't satisfied with Joshua's leadership. They wanted a king to be like the, the other nations. 
And what God says is they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me as their leader. And these people were saying, we want someone in the category of Moses who can provide for us, provide everything we need. And essentially what they were saying is we want a sort of a, like a civil or a military leader, someone to be in charge of us. But they were not looking for a spiritual leader. And that's the, that's the difficulty. They were not looking for someone to lead them spiritually. Because, you see, they were forgetting all the sinful habits of Israel in the Old Testament. If you remember the story of, of Israel wandering in the wilderness, there was the, the rebellion of Korah. And, and Korah was put to death with many of his followers. There, were, there was constant groaning and complaining against God in the wilderness. And the terrible consequences of that behavior. But these people here in this story were totally forgetting how their ancestors behaved in the past and how God judged them. All they could think of was the good things, the manna, can you provide for us like Moses did? And so how do we make sense of the conversation Jesus has with them? Because it goes on and it gets quite complicated. And let's remember, and I'll just read a little bit further on. In in verse 41 it says, So the Jews grumbled about Jesus Because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It's written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who's heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. This is the bread that came down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. And so Jesus goes into this very, very complicated uh, conversation with them. But let's remember back to chapter 4. If you remember the story in chapter 4 of John, the story of the woman at the well. And when Jesus spoke of the living water, the woman said, well, I, give me this water so I won't have to thirst and when Jesus spoke of, when, when she spoke of the mountain in Samaria as the place of worship, Jesus spoke of worship not in a place or a ritual or, or a particular time, but worship in spirit. 
And Jesus was always taking things to a higher level, to a spiritual level. And he is doing the same things here. The problem is the people could not grasp the idea of spiritual realities. They could only focus on material things. Jesus, bread, flesh, they were keeping it purely at at this worldly level. So when they spoke of the manna, of the bread of heaven, Jesus took it up to spiritual things, but they kept it at a worldly level. And that's Jesus brings the conversation very deep from here on because he is testing them to say, do you truly want to follow me? And Jesus takes their talk of bread and sustenance and applies to his own role of being the source, being the provision for eternal life in comparison to Moses providing for their material well-being with the manna. When he says, Jesus says, my body is the means of eternal life. Just as the manna was a source of physical life in the desert, so my body is the source of spiritual life now for you. And he's saying that they ate the bread in the desert and they lived, they survived physically. But you, you must eat of my flesh, not physically, but spiritually, that you will live spiritually. I am the source of spiritual, of eternal life. When you partake of my body, you will die physically, but you will live eternally. And, and not understanding what, what Jesus meant, they jumped at this idea of eating his flesh, eating his body. And Jesus was speaking in spiritual terms, but they kept it purely at, at material, at, at worldly terms. How can he give us his flesh to eat, they asked. And Jesus is saying, I'm not talking about eating my flesh literally, but only those whom the Father has has called can understand these things. Only those of you who are called by my Father can truly understand these things. And when Jesus talks of, of the Father sending him from heaven, they respond with their knowledge, but we know your father and mother. You didn't come down from heaven. You're, you're Mary and Joseph's son. We know that. They could not go beyond anything of this world. They could not grasp spiritual things. And Jesus is saying, no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. So Jesus continues to speak of spiritual things. They respond with worldly understanding. When he says, I am the bread of life, your fathers ate the manna in the desert. But if you feed on my body, you will never die. He did not mean literally eating his flesh, eating his body, as we would say, obviously. But just as we would say, well, um, you know, a, a performer in, on stage will feed off the energy of, of the crowd that's there. A sports person, football match on the, the crowd enthusiastic and the team worked up and we'd say they would feed energy, feed off the, the, the presence of the crowd that's there and say, you must feed off my body, not physically, not literally, but you must take the, what I can give you, which is eternal life. He does not mean literally eating his flesh, but they could not grasp that. And when Jesus spoke figuratively, again, they continued to understand it literally. They couldn't grasp spiritual things. And he says, you cannot comprehend spiritual truths. And all that is in response to, to what Jesus, what, what they are demanding of Jesus. But at the outset of this conversation, Jesus asks basically, 
What do you want from me? That's what he's asking of them. Is it only food to feed your bodies? Surely life is more than that. And the, and the question continues today for you and for me. What do you want from Jesus? What, what can Jesus do for you? What are you looking for from him? Because, you see, they wanted food and security and all the protection that he could give. But it was only for this life that they were looking for it. But to ask you and me the same question, because it's relevant to us now, if God's word is eternal, the questions that Jesus asked then are equally relevant to our lives. And to ask you and me, is it in this life only that you want Jesus to do good for you? Is it only for this life that you're wanting Jesus to bless you? Or are you looking to eternity? Because if you are looking for, to, to eternity for Jesus' blessing, he will put you through difficult times here on this earth that he may bless you eternally and spiritually. And if it's genuinely that you're, you're seeking Jesus with all your heart for eternal life, your life will be very, very different. Jesus said to them, do not work for food that spoils. And that was 2,000 years ago. And it was understandable because the basics of food and, and shelter and clothing and, and provision day to day, those were essential for them back then. And even in Ireland up to 100 years ago and some parts of this world, those basics are still a day to day struggle. It was for them then. But even in such a struggle as that, Jesus was warning them, do not Work for these things alone. Don't let that be your priority in life. By all means, be wise and in caring for your basic needs. But be wise in remembering this world is not all there is. This world is not all there is. You will pass into eternity. And what is your source of life for eternity? Jesus is saying, my flesh is real food. That I am the source of eternal life. He's not talking about bread or porridge in eternity or roast beef. He's saying, take my life into you. I am the source of eternal life. And if that was valid to warn about 2,000 years ago, it is equally valid and more valid now. Because it's not just our needs that we get taken up with. We get consumed by other things in this world, by the materialism of this world. And Jesus warns, do not work for the things that will fade, the things that will perish. They at least had the excuse of of poverty to worry about the basics. We don't have that to worry about. We fret about the the quality and the quantity of, of the things we have, but not the lack of them. But Jesus says to them, and he says even more to us, do not work for the food that spoils. When he spoke those words 2,000 years ago to these people, they had been following him for, for days, weeks, months, perhaps years even. Some of them were following. And they were intrigued by his miracles and providing for them. But they were not born again, as we, we see in, in just a while. They were not true followers of Jesus. They only wanted what he could do for them, the freebies. Their hearts were not desiring to follow Jesus. And I'll just finish reading the end of the chapter. And it says in verse 60, 
When many of the disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is the Father, unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And I'll leave the reading at that. And Jesus, as I said, he, he went on to, to give very, very difficult concepts for them to, to test whether they really wanted to follow him or wanted to go their own way and to ask our hearts, where, where are our hearts? Where, what are we um, focused on? Is it on the things that spoil? Because Jesus spoke of the bread that spoils. Or is it because Jesus truly has changed your life? Because we see these people, they were not truly changed by Jesus. And they said, this is a hard saying. We're not going to follow you anymore, Jesus. They were there just, as I said, for the freebies. And some of them would have begun to think, this guy, he's talking, I mean, it's absolute baffling. Can't figure it out at all. And they came to the realization, really, he's no good to us. There's nothing to see here. We might as well go home. This guy has nothing for me that I want in the long run. I might as well leave. And so many of them did turn away. And recently, you know, at, at one of our Friday evenings here, and I, I'd encourage you, if you can get out at all on a Friday evening, come to the meetings at 7 o'clock here. They're, they're well worth coming to. And you can bring your children as well. But, you know, recently on a Friday evening, we were going through the story of the, the rich young man who came to Jesus asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he came looking for Jesus, it seemed, looking for the way to heaven. But he was unprepared for the answer that Jesus was to give. And and Jesus said to him, if you really want to follow me, sell everything you have, give the money to the poor, and then come follow me. And it says he turned away sad. He left Jesus. And Jesus was trying to make, make the point, I do not want worldly followers. I do not want worldly followers. And the people we meet here, essentially, their answer to Jesus was, well, we do not want heavenly teaching. And, and for you and for me, why do you come to church on a Sunday? Shane, earlier in introducing this, he said sometimes he comes here on a, on a Sunday morning and he doesn't feel full of enthusiasm and joy because there's huge responsibility, particularly on Shane. But Jesus says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Be glad in it because it is the Lord who has made it. Be glad in it because it is the Lord. The Lord, let him be your chief joy and your chief source. These people were not looking for that. 
They wanted what Jesus could provide for them only. Jesus still says, I do not want worldly followers. And he's asking to ask ourselves, what did we sign up for when we chose to be followers of Jesus? Because the only command Jesus gives in this case is believe. And to believe means to trust him. Trusting him means trusting your whole life to him. Everything comes under his authority. It reminds them and us that not just food spoils, but everything else in this world will perish. Everything will spoil eventually. And sadly, the fact is that there are many believers, many followers of Jesus who come for what he can give them, but they are not prepared to live for Jesus. And, you know, we I was chatting with Evelyn earlier this morning, and I've been thinking a bit about it lately. You know, today, this weekend, I think, is it? It's, it's beginning of the, the climate change conference. And it's very relevant because the reality is the climate is, it appears it is warming. I'm not going to go into the politics of it or anything. But there is a, an awareness that things are wrong in this world. There is something wrong. But more than that, I would say in society, in modern Western society in particular, possibly in other parts of the world as well, but there is a lack of hope, a lack of something to look forward to, a joy in this world that once was there. And I'm speaking, I suppose, from my own feelings, my own personal experience. But this world offers so little hope, so little joy. But Jesus, I can say from my own experience again, the only source of lasting joy is Jesus Christ. All that we see in this world will perish someday. Everything will spoil. Jesus says, do not work for food that spoils. He was talking about the basics, the material things. We live in a land of plenty. We have comforts. We have pleasures and ease that they knew nothing of, obviously. But I do not believe that we have a hope that was once in the world because we have so much distraction and so much attraction in modern society. But the only lasting joy is found in Jesus Christ. And it is in living completely for him alone, for nothing else. Nothing in this world will satisfy you. Nothing in this world gives you something, a hope to look forward to. But Jesus does offer that. He says, do not work for the food that spoils, the the new car, the, the joys, the pleasures, the holidays, all great things, but they will perish. They will spoil. They will fade. They will not satisfy. And just... Recently, Evelyn and myself were, were looking at a, a, a brief documentary about Peter Sellers. He was a famous actor in the 1970s, 1980s, and very, very famous, very rich. Eventually, he had lots of fame, lots of good things in this world, lots of wives. He had beautiful wives, more than one. But he kept chasing for more and more, kept chasing for something better because he could not find satisfaction in the pleasures of this world. And 
He died at 54 years old of a heart attack. He had been told by a clairvoyant that he would be famous, that he would uh, marry four times, and he would live till 75. Well, he did become famous, and he did marry four times, but he didn't live till 75. He died alone and sadly. And you know, this world does not satisfy. The pleasures of this world does not, do not satisfy. And Jesus is saying, do not work for the things that spoil. Because they will spoil and they will leave you feeling empty. Jesus says, do not focus solely on the necessities of this life. And be careful, Christian, that you don't get distracted by the love of the things of this world. They will trap you. If you depend on them, do not work for those, the food that spoils. What he says, then he says to Peter, do you want to leave as well? And Peter says, you have the words of eternal life. We believe. And Jesus had said at the start, the work of God is this, that you believe. And Peter says, I do believe. We believe. And he was speaking on behalf of the, the disciples. As I say, I can experience it to be, even though following is costly, worthwhile. I've been a believer for more than 40 years, and I will say there is no more satisfying road to walk than following Jesus. The world is attractive and the world is distractive, but it does not satisfy. But Jesus will. Don't work for the food that spoils. You know, when you go out to, a, to your grocery shopping, whether it's in Tesco or Aldi or Lidl or Super Value or wherever, you'll pick up your goods, whether it's a tin of beans, a loaf of bread, whether it's a chicken or whatever it is. And you'll say, yeah, but one of the things you'll probably look for you may not, but some people do. There's a little, little sign and it says BBE, which means best before the end. And it's a warning from the manufacturer that this food will spoil eventually. Every packaging should have it on it, all the, all the food that's consumed. It's that little sign, it means best before the end. Anything that doesn't have a best before end sign, well, you'll, you'll put it back. Or you, you think it's out of date, I don't want to buy that. You should look for a best before date. It's, it's not essential, obviously, you're trusting the supermarkets. But one of the things we have to be aware of is that everything on this earth has a best before end date. Everything is eventually going to perish. Food goes off, cars break down, your jeans, your favorite jeans, your favorite shoes will wear out. Everything will wear out. We also have a best before end date. You and I do. And we need to be aware of that. And when Jesus was saying, do not work for the food that spoils, he's warning you and me, this life is not all there is. There is an end. Keep in mind your best before end date. You don't know it, just as Peter Sellers didn't know when his best before end date was. But when your best before end date comes, this body of yours will no longer be of use to you. 
Jesus says, feed on me. My body gives you eternal life. Anyone who eats of this body will never die. He wasn't talking about physically. He was talking about spiritually. Feed on the living bread who is Jesus Christ that you will live forever. May God bless his word to us and enrich us and challenge us that we would live godly lives for his sake. Let's pray and ask God's blessing. Father, thank you for all your goodness to us in so many ways. Thank you again for your word. It is rich. It is true. It is full of promise that Jesus says, anyone who comes to me has eternal life. And I plead with you, Father, if there are any who are present among us this morning who have not called out to Jesus, who have not asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, that you would challenge every heart here this morning to surrender to Jesus because there is no one who can give us eternal life but him, no one who can give us joy such as Jesus. And this we ask, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.